Life glass. Age unknown. Artist unknown. Glass, bronze, and unknown substances. Annabelle Godfrey's avid love for spelunking has added many a new piece to the collection over the years, and this item, found along the Grecian coast in 1951, is among the more enigmatic of her finds. It's certainly one of the largest, standing at just over three feet tall and weighing a hefty 57 pounds. Jasmine Rushbrook and Letitia Hanford, who accompanied Annabelle on this particular excursion, tried to convince their dauntless lover to leave it be, reminding her of the back injury she'd suffered the last time she'd attempted to haul a mysterious and heavy artifact out of a cave. But, as any who knew her could tell you, once Annabelle set her mind to do something, very little could be done to convince her otherwise. She ignored her partner's concerns, saying, You worry too much, and got the piece out of the cave with only minimal difficulty. But back to the item itself. Its construction is simple, with minimal ornamentation. At first glance, it is just a simple hourglass. The bronze frame that holds it upright suggests the prioritizing of function over form, though there is an understated asymmetric beauty to its design. The twisting lines and the amorphous shapes of the metal structure are reminiscent of the smoke swirling and billowing within the crystal-clear glass. This smoke was what caught Annabelle's eye down in that cave along the coast of Greece. In fact, according to her account of that trip, she would have mistakenly stepped on it, had the white-gray smoke not turned a sudden, brilliant amethyst, casting the dimly lit cave in a soft, purple light. When she had recovered herself and reassured her companions, who'd been alarmed by her startled cry, she backed away from the hourglass to better examine it. She noted that the smoke reverted back to its dull, normal color the further she retreated from it. The closer she got to the hourglass, the brighter the purple glow became. She also noted that the smoke reproportioned itself within the glass. At a distance, the whirling tendrils of smoke spread themselves evenly between the upper and lower chambers, flowing omnidirectionally. But Annabelle's approach changed the distribution of the smoke within the glass, and the direction of its flow. With her close proximity, only one quarter of the smoke's mass remained in the upper chamber, and it only flowed one way. Down. Draining and draining away. It reacted similarly to the presence of both Hanford and Rushbrook. In Hanford's presence, the smoke turned the color of the sky on a bright, clear day, and one-third of it remained in the upper chamber. In Rushbrook's presence, the smoke turned the sunny yellow of a daffodil. Only one-tenth of the smoke remained for her. I see from your GPS locator that you have not yet stepped within the life glass's sensory sphere. Go on. Step up to it. There's no line. Don't you want to know what color it will turn at your approach? Don't you want to know how much time you have? For any guest wishing to take home some of the mystery of the life glass, you're in luck. We have a brand new, limited-run series of miniature replicas of the Life Glass. Just imagine how beautiful it will look displayed in your personal curio cabinet, or on a shelf filled with those books that you swear you will get to one of these days as soon as you have the time. Seriously, you are going to read them! You will read them! In addition to the superb craftsmanship of these diminutive timepieces, 
Each one contains a small amount of the polychromatic smoke from the original piece here at the museum. We aren't entirely sure how the hired artisans were able to siphon this substance out of the full-size life glass, as there are no known holes, fissures, breaks, or openings of any kind within its design and construction. But we've been assured by the team of medical professionals attending to all who were involved in that process that they are very near exiting the catatonic state that they've been in since the completion of the replicas. And, as an added bonus, any guest who becomes a member of the Godfrey Estate and Museum during their visit today will receive one of these beauties as a complimentary gift. All interested patrons should visit the membership desk, located at the edge of the sinkhole beneath the central building's foundation. Becoming a member is as simple as providing a vial of your blood, a vial of your tears, and whispering your hopes and dreams into the depths of the gaping chasm located not far at all from where you are standing at this very moment. And as always, thank you for supporting the Godfrey. Ariana Hominis, 2011. Origin unknown. I know what you're probably thinking. Where is this piece? You just sat down on this bench in the corner for a moment's rest. It can be a tiring endeavor exploring the museum. You just wanted a breather before resuming your journey. So what triggered this commentary? You may now be examining the bench on which you sit, looking for a plaque or notation of any kind as to its significance. You may be scanning the walls around you, behind you, for a piece of art that you may have missed. Something small. Something subtle. You have not missed anything on the gallery walls. Your eyes, though weary, have not glanced over any piece of art without realizing it. Why would you think to look there, after all? Look up. You see it now, don't you? Do try not to panic. We don't want you alarming the other guests, do we? You're probably wondering how you could have missed that the first time you sat down or when you entered this hall. How could you have missed the angular, unnatural bent of its too many limbs? How could you have failed to notice the jerking, erratic motion with which it heaves itself around its corner of the ceiling? How could you have missed its wide, unblinking sets of eyes which take up too much of its eerily human face as it follows every move, every involuntary twitch you make? How could you have missed the jagged rows of teeth, too many than should fit in a mouth that size, or its stark black and white stripes, or the thick tangle of webbing in which the odd shoe or watch or battered museum exhibition guide can be perceived by a keen eye, or the glittering darkness visible between the thick ropes of webbing, a darkness at odds with the well-lit interior of the hall or the plexiglass box that is all that separates you and this being above you. It is not your fault that you didn't see it, that you were fully unaware of its presence until this commentary told you, for it is not always here. The being, not the plexiglass. Not everyone who visits the estate is able to view this magnificent apparition. You should consider yourself lucky. Its presence was first discovered in 2011 by the Godfrey staff, though we estimate that it has likely been here unnoticed for some time prior to that. As I mentioned earlier, it's not your fault you didn't notice it. Sometimes the darkness you see deep within the webbing sucks everything into its mass, leaving this corner as empty as you first saw it. 
The plexiglass box is a more recent addition to the installation, added in 2015 after a particularly nasty incident involving this being and an unsuspecting guest who'd sat down momentarily to tie their shoe. They'd sat down on this very bench, in fact. Witnesses said that the being looked much like it does right now, as it stares unblinkingly down at you, its face pressed against the translucent cage above your head. There's no need to run. We've had no incidents since the installation of the plexiglass barrier. At least, not yet. Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knudsen, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. Enjoying your trip to the estate? To keep up with the Godfrey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Godfrey Guide. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcasting app of choice. If you're interested in becoming a sustaining member of the show, make sure to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thegodfreyaudioguide. In addition to our various membership tiers, you'll also find full episode transcripts for any who wish to read them. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.